combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer. Whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Club, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. The dominant West Country boys in blue, black and white. Another Derby Day victory for our boys. And I'm joined as ever to discuss it by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. What a night, mate. Yeah, as you say, double Derby delight. And um, for those of us, for those of you uh, who follow us on Twitter, I would say it's um, phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't really know why we're bothering with this podcast way more people than listen to this have already watched your views on Twitter. You, We recorded a little video post-match, um, which thousands and thousands of people have somehow watched, um, in which you gave all of your views into that. So just check that out, I suppose. Well, it's, you know, the first, you know, after after a couple of, uh, a couple of pints, maybe to, to, to grease the wheels of our collective minds, we thought it'd be a good idea to do our inaugural <laughs> BRP live. Um, thought it came out pretty well at the at, at the time. Watching back the next morning, um, yeah, not maybe maybe not so much, and uh, I probably won't do it after after that many pints again. But yeah, we were we were riding the crest of a wave, and we thought um, we'd 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 get some get some more live content out there, G, for for a change. It was rather yeah. than the polished edited podcast um definitely never ever raw and uncut um that that you get in your feeds every week it was phenomenal it really was mate um whole lot of day maybe a bit tough for you to take but i know people have loved it so so good work and yeah maybe if you guys see us buy us a pint and we might do a couple more of those a little half maybe pre-game Pre-game. I'm heading down for for the extra game, and I, I'll, I'll be tempted to put out some some pre-match thoughts, provided I haven't um, already had a few by then. That's that's probably that's probably a better idea. Yeah, and we did make it down, Tom. I know when we recorded our last podcast, which was after the Gloucester Shed victory, we were umming and ahhing at that point whether we were going to go down. In all honesty, we were umming and ahhing right through the week, but. Um, yeah, a few logistical stuff that we managed to move around um, meant that we were able to get down there um, and kind of thinking when we were looking at the forecast, um, some of the cost implications, should we bother yeah. and should we just watch it at home or in a pub and, and enjoy it there? But on the train back and throughout the game, I was so, so glad we did. It was, yeah, a thousand percent worth it. So, nice. so glad we got down. And, and you know, at, at one point, it was looking like it might be tough to get tickets. You know, another sellout from Bath, 14,500-odd people mm. in attendance. Barely, a, barely an empty seat, I would, I would say. And we were just looking at, at some of the, the, the sale results, weren't we, prior to, prior to hitting record. And 
yeah, they're getting about about five or so thousand at, um, at the AJ Bell. So we're very, very lucky as as a club to have the supporters that we do. And it was a, it was an incredible atmosphere on Friday night. A really, really good game, a good spectacle, a tight encounter. And I think everyone who went got their money's worth. And, and that's saying something given given the ticket prices that we're seeing now. Yeah, it was a great night, great night. And you forget, I haven't been to the wreck in a, in a, in a little while, actually, um, given the international, kind of longer international break between seasons um, and not being able to get there towards the end of last season. Um, and seeing the wreck on a Friday night as we kind of walked in from the station side, uh, you walk over the, the bridge there and you've obviously got Pony Bridge in the background and the wreck and, and the river. And yeah, geez Louise, it's a it's a picture. Um, and so glad that we're going to be staying in, in that location. And mm. there's no better place in the world to watch rugby. Totally agree. Um, you did mention them, Tom, at the end of your BRP Live. But we also need to mention, of course, this is the Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Black and White Butchers. Bath Hooker, Tom Dunn's very own Black and White Butchers, I hope. Many of you enjoyed a hog roast before this game and do check out their stand next to the Swift Half when you are next at the wreck. And we've been promising it for a little while and Tom assures me that something is in the pipeline. So stay tuned for more on our partnership with Black and White Butchers and maybe just follow us on Instagram to get ahead of the game. Tom, before we get into the details of it, Overall thoughts on this one, and obviously a 2019 victory, not as comprehensive as our Derby Day victory mm. against Gloucester, but nonetheless, albeit all, also satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we went through the full um, stages, the full cycles of of emotions, didn't mm. we? During that game, we were fantastic in that first half of times, the best that we've well. well in, in attack, certainly, I can remember us playing for a long time. Ollie Lawrence was just a different class. He looked on a different planet with ball in hand. And we were far, far too good for Bristol and, and should have been further ahead. Then, you know, it ended up being much, much closer than it than it should have done. A couple of errors from, from Bath, a couple of tries from, from Bristol. And, you know, but for a few kicks going our way, it could have been a different result and, and that probably shouldn't have been the case. But overall, excitement, delight, um, pain, nerves, anguish and then relief. They're all the emotions we felt. Were there some nerves at the end? I mean, my word, I could I could barely watch the, the kind of last five or ten minutes of that game. See, we were sat together and, yeah, everyone around us was just kind of watching through their fingers as as Bristol were just inching into into penalty range and obviously had two attempts to miss it uh, to score uh, the winning penalty. But Callum Sheedy, thankfully, missed them, and it did feel like in that second half it was a, a real nip and tuck game, and the team that that kind of made the last error or kind of made that final blow was going to win it. And that's exactly what I said at the end of the Leicester game mm. in where that was a real nip and tuck game and the team that just got that final penalty was going to win it. The Leicester one went against us. This one went for us. And I think when you play these tight games in the conditions that we saw in both of those games, it does come down to that. And this league is so, so tight. Um, and it's just I'm yeah. grateful that we got this one after missing out on that Tigers one. Yeah, and there's an element of luck there. There's an element of Definitely. refereeing input. But ultimately... 
we made the mistake from the kickoff with Kutsia dropping it against Leicester and Jamie yeah. Shilcott made us pay. Um, Johan Grand said in the, the, the post-match interview, there were seven games last season where we lost by a score or less. Mm. So we've all too often in prior seasons been on the, the wrong end of, mm. of close defeats. So very gratifying to hold on to one. And I think that will build confidence amongst the, 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 the players and the coaches that, that we can close those games out because when all said and done at the end of the season, it is going to be tight and the difference between fourth and eighth or even ninth, I think is going to be going to be going to be pretty close. Mm, absolutely. Um, really nice to, to take this one, as I said, 2019 victory, despite some squeaky bum time at the end. Let's let's get into the detail of the match, Tom. And it was a good start from the visitors. They've got a great record against Bath. I think they mentioned on the on the TNT broadcast that they've won seven of the last eight games. And I know the one that Bath won of those, we won right at the death with a Ewan Richards try two seasons ago at home. So Bristol under Pat Lamb have absolutely had the better of Bath. And they look really balanced, composed um, and dominant in, in the first phases of the game and, and went ahead deservedly with, with an early try. Yeah, they were out the blocks very quickly, mm. weren't they? We just weren't able to get our hands on the ball. They built some phases. We were a little bit untidy around some of the fringes and um, they found a way under the posts fairly easily. Um, yeah, it kind of just felt like fair play. We need to come back with a response and by God that we come back with a blistering response. One man in particular came back with a blistering response. We've seen Lawrence play fantastically for Bath. Um, the Saracens game away last season springs to mind, but this next 15 minutes was was frankly men against boys. Um he made a first break on seven minutes where he cut back, beat four players, and we ultimately lost the ball. And then he was at the heart of, of both of our tries, both of them getting us and, and the 14,000 blue, black and white supporters off their seats at the wreck. Tom, talk us through the first one. Well, yeah, so the first try, just a hard inside line um, on about the 22, and he absolutely bulldozes over uh, Piers O'Connor and um, and Gabriel Ogre and yeah, phenomenal. I mean, it, it, I said to you when watching the game, but it's kind of like dodging <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Was, yeah. They just bounce, <laughs> bounce, and then stand still. And the acceleration, explosiveness that he has to get over the line is is just frightening. And it just looked like kind of Colts rugby or under 14s rugby. It was just the, they were just unable to to lay a handle in when he was running like that. You cannot tackle high and you cannot arm tackle Oli Lawrence because he is way too powerful for that and um, uh, Piers O'Connor and um, well Gray found that out the hard way yeah he's got a really rare combination I think in terms of his, his, his running style he's so agile on his feet like he has got good feet he's not just a bruising runner mm-hmm. and he can beat people in, in, a, in a phone box but at the same time, clearly he has like ridiculous power and a very low centre of gravity, which just means he's able to bounce players and just beat players going straight through the, the tackle as well. It's a, it's a rare combination. I think something actually that in his prime, his opposite man on the night, Vaca Tower, once had in racing and, and, and French colours. Um, Mar Nonu as well is another guy that springs mm-hmm. to mind who could beat you in, in more than one way. It's, uh, it's, that, yeah. low, that low sense of centre of gravity, though, is... is, is pretty unique to Lawrence because he is sort of like a he's a bit of a barrel 
right? And mm. he does just have that. But yeah, he's still got those feet and that pace as well. Um, and yeah, he, he did make Vakatawa look a little bit silly um, cutting that line. And, and, and Vakatawa's feet were in, in concrete there and he, he just didn't even get near him. Um, yeah, quite brilliant. And, and Russell nailed the the conversion and, and we took the, the line out, Kutsir, and, and Lawrence cut another the kickoff, yeah. hard line straight off the kickoff. And it was O'Connor and Ogre again mm. who missed the tackles. This time, Lawrence didn't go all the way himself, but instead offloaded outside to Redpath. Spencer looped round beautifully to take the, 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 the pass then from Redpath. Spencer took it almost standing still and then showed his potential England scrum half rival a clean pair of heels in Harry Randall and and, and, and the, the wreck went wild, frankly. What a fantastic try that was. And yeah, just the handling and the communication and the timing and the cohesion was fantastic. The the ball by Cam Redpath, I think, very, very underrated. Just, as I say, perfectly timed mm. inside ball. And the way that Ben Spencer finds the outside shoulder from basically being a, a standstill, as you say, it just shows that they're really starting to to click in attack under 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 Lee Blackett mm. and ultimately with with you know Finn Russell coming in at, at ten, which I think has obviously been a big change. And yeah, I think it is a degree of personnel, but I, I do think starting to watch how our game is developing this season, compare it to the start of the season, compare it to points last season, and you know we are showing we're willing to play from deep more. We're willing to play to throw caution into the wind. We're kicking much less from hand. We kicked 28 times in the game against Bristol. Compare mm. that to, to the Leicester game you mentioned. That was in the in the early to mid-40s. So I think that we're adapting to the, the strengths that we've got. And there were some absolutely superb performances. Not just from Ollie Lawrence, who I just, just double-checked in his 24, which is just, just scary, to be honest. But I also think Cam Redpath coming back in at 12 had an outstanding game. Mm. Max Adroma last week, I have to mention, outstanding game. And then Ben Spencer again, <laughs> Max, pulling he? pulling the strings. You know, Premiership player of October. Um, Lawrence, obviously, Premiership player of last season. And, and these boys are at the top of their game in this league. We'll get to the guy in between those, those players, certainly in the second half. But yeah, Lawrence, Russell, uh, sorry, Lawrence and, and Redpath were... Yeah, wonderful to watch. And, and we were 17-7 up in a flash. And, and frankly, absolutely all over Bristol. It, it, it could and, and definitely should have been more in that second half, Tom. You know, a few moments spring to mind. Spencer put a ball over for big Joe Thock and a Seager, which just mm. didn't quite drop for him. Ollie made another break, but dropped the ball on, on kind of the, the 10-metre line. Bristol couldn't, couldn't handle us. Um, they on the 28-minute mark, had made 20 tackles but missed 11. Mm. And, and and we were really good, but frustratingly for me, we just weren't quite clinical enough. And when we look into the second half and things weren't clicking, we weren't getting as many opportunities in and around the 22, that could and maybe should have come back to bite us. Yeah. and that same, concern you? Um, I'm not sure. I think rugby can can go like that and you we can see we've seen so many times how if you can stay in the game by hook or crook and stay within rough striking distance momentum can swing in your direction and you can find yourself back in the game quite quickly think back to last week against Gloucester the deficit for us was 10 points the very same and I just felt at that point that we were still 
in the game because we'd soaked up a lot of pressure. Mm. Gloucester probably should have been further ahead. And you knew that if we got that first score in the second half, then the game was very much alive. So I think the message at half-time will have been, knowing Johan van Graan, we have left points out there, which we did, and we need to make sure that we don't become complacent given the dominance that that that, that, that we that we had. So um, I'm not sure it concerns me because I think we're showing that we've got a killer instinct in attack and we're putting stuff together with much more regularity than we have done in the past. Mm. Um, and I think on other days we would have we would have we would have put ourselves further ahead. Did we get complacent then in the second half? It was 17-7 at half time at that point. Ollie Lawrence had made 97 metres. We only scored the the one Finn Russell penalty in the second half. Did we get complacent? What what was the turnaround down to? It almost opposite of what happened in Gloucester. Bristol came out with much more um, with much more energy, I think, with much more confidence. As they started the game, they started the, the second half. Um, Scored a good try, you know, identified that we were probably slightly mm. narrow as we have been defensively for, for some of this season. Um, and we, 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 we were stretched to the right-hand side uh, or to the left-hand side as we were defending. And then Sheedy found a, a nice cross-kick um, and we were out of position in the in, in, in the backfield there. So I, I think, yeah, combination of probably Bristol getting their hands on the ball, stringing some phases together, which they weren't able to do after that first try in, in the first half. Um, and probably exploiting a bit of our weakness there. Yeah, the line-out also was concerning for me in that second half. It just started to falter a little bit, and it was actually from a missed line-out that that lane try came from when they turned it over, came right, then came left and, and scored. And Yeah, it, it kind of went through a patch in the second half of 20 minutes where we kind of missed almost every line-out. Mm-hmm. Um so that certainly didn't help our, our kind of territory and, and possession. And I think Bristol did come come back into it well and, and scoring that try quite soon after halftime was, was really important for them. I think Pat Land mentioned it on on the broadcast and, and they scored back-to-back really. Um, and Finn Russell was was probably at fault, Tom, for, for the second try. And, and, and in the spirit of last week, trying not to be too grumpy and I think you'll give me credit on the night I didn't I wasn't too grumpy no you're gonna have to take this one yeah you, you obviously <laughs> there's plenty of tape of you being the um the happy contrarian but yeah it was a bad 10 minutes for, for what, what, what did night? I describe him as, as as on the live I think it was our our new maestro in the <laughs> ten shirt or something like that something something dumb and prosaic like that but um yeah they interestingly with Redpath coming in they played Finn Russell at second receiver more than I've seen them done, yeah. more than I've seen them do before. And I'm not saying that's an, that's an, that's an excuse because it was a very poor attempt at a pass over the top. But maybe the defence, the, the the wider defence was slightly further up than 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 perhaps he'd be used to at first receiver. Um, I'm being generous yeah, there, you're but being it was too generous, it was a it was a it was a it was a very poor pass. Um, a good gather from. Um, Ibatoye and then to be fair to Bristol a fantastic bit of interplay to get Max Malins over in the line but yeah no no excuse you, you uh, I do think with some of the the passes some of the kicks in particular that Finn Russell attempts some of the offloads we are going to see you know we are going to see interceptions go to hand and we are going to see mistakes made 
Um, what is not excusable from his point of view is the the kick from pretty much in front of the sticks on the twenty two that he he hooked past the past the left post. That's um, that's concerning. He's sixty seven percent in all competitions so far. I know that you want um, Ben Spencer to, to take over the the kicking duties, but yeah, a, a bad ten minutes from Finn Russell ultimately didn't cost us the game. But I think if it had done and it could have done. We'd be we'd be obviously having a different conversation. He didn't play well, I don't think, all night. At what point does it even enter your mind that Spencer should should start kicking? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure that we've seen enough evidence over the course of his Premiership career, Spencer's Premiership career, that he is a he is a a, a first choice kicker. I mean, he, he's not been a first choice kicker for most of his. Most of his his, his career, um, I'm not sure what the what the stats are across the the years he's been playing. Last year he was great from the tee, stepped in and took over from Bailey, who was who was struggling. I think that it's not the time now to to switch away from Finn Russell. His kicking in international and club colours, his numbers are very very good. So um, seems like it's just a, a, a in my opinion will be a temporary blip, but. Um, We'll see. I think if he if he misses many more like that, real sitters, maybe they will start to change it. But miss one um, of gloss as well. Yeah, but I, you know, equally kicked a lovely kick yeah. from the touchline. No, so fair. I think it will even itself out, and I think it would be a bit of a statement. And I'd question what it would do um, potentially to his um, his wider mindset if you remove kicking duties from him but we'll we'll see I'm not sure you can you know if you're Van Grant you need to be bigger than than worrying about his mental mindset and I think money plays and and I think money kicks as well to be honest yeah well kicks badly certainly at the moment I I think Gallagher should be kicking to the corner and I think Spencer should be kicking at sticks Um, one thing I'm normally grumpy about which I'm definitely not grumpy about as we move away from that I just want to make a, a comment um, on the TNT coverage, and I thought um, Ojo, Topsy Ojo, who was on on commentary with Ben K. I thought both of them, but Ojo in particular, were were actually excellent. Um, and I thought the way he kind of described the the two tries that we've just spoken about was really really good. And I know he has done some stuff mm. with them, but yeah, I certainly hope to hear to hear more of him. Just got. A, a note down there, the way he kind of broke down those tries and, and also the Lawrence breaks in the first half was 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 really impressive. Yeah. Um, just, just maybe before we we mm. we've gone to the final part of the game, there were some impressive defensive moments from us in that in that yeah, second yeah. half, where again, not the game could have gone away from us, but what Bristol are, have a have a two point advantage at nineteen seventeen after those those two tries in the first of the Sheedy three missed kicks and the, the, the conversion. Um, Will Muir, I thought, defended very, very Lovely. well. A couple of really important interventions when he kind of hooks his man down, back at tower on one occasion, I think, on the on the left wing. And then a massive turnover on our line, a massive tackle and turnover on our line from Miles Reed, who, along with Sam Underhill, continue to be real, real menaces mm. in, in, in defence. And I think, I say it again, in the absence of Ted Hill, who has been one of the four players since he's been at the club, I think Miles Reed is stepping up and and taking his opportunity. I thought another another very good game from Miles Reed and and yeah, safe to try that. 
so I think that was in the in the first half that Reed one. Oh, that was bang on the end, wasn't you it? You're referring yeah. to, and, yeah. and he also did really well. He kind of got beat by Vakatawa for Vakatawa's break, and then got back into the line and intercepted the potential Vakatawa offload. So yeah, some really key moments in in what ultimately turned out to be um, a real tight game at the end. So yeah, nineteen seventeen at that point, Yako Kutsia came off after sixty minutes. Lots of comments on socials, Tom. I should have them to hand, but I don't. Six years in, that's pretty poor. And people were kind of contacting me as well, saying that Kutsia had his best performance in a Bath shirt. I was a little bit confused watching the game live as to what they meant. Um, he also got the the Paul Roger man of the match. Do you think that was deserved? I don't think so, no. I mean... With the HIA that he had in the second half, he only played 44 minutes in mm. in total. I think he's been underwhelming in a Bath shirt, ultimately. He was, he's obviously struggled with injuries uh, last season. Um, and he was there, he's been here, what, this is his third season, right? Um, so he's, mm. yeah, is this his third or second season? Um but yeah, I mean, it, I think it may. It was definitely one of his brighter games. Yeah, it was one of his brighter games. I think, I guess, as I say, he struggled with injuries, and now he's had Alfred Barbary come in. He's mm. very much probably second in the in the pecking order, and he obviously had that horror show against Leicester Tigers when he dropped the ball, and that must have been a, a tough one for him to him to take coming on and obviously trying to make an impact. I thought he carried he carried pretty well. Um, mm. He clearly that's a um, you know that's a. Uh, a strong part of his game, but yeah, I, um, I possibly one of his better games in a bar shot, or maybe even his best game. But Ollie Lawrence was was outstanding yeah. on the on the day. I don't think you can you can make a comparison with him. Yeah, I'll just kind of just put the other side of the argument. Andrew, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, bar season ticket holder, who was there on Friday night, said that he always wanted to see Jacko play like this, and it was his best game in a bar shot. Hopefully, more to come and, and competition for places. Um, as we look to rotate in that eight shirt, because they are the two, him and Barbary, the, the two eights that we've got. Yeah, eight carries for, for 42 metres and, and five defenders beaten. It's, it's it's very, very respectable. Certainly. Um, what wasn't so respectable, Tom, was the way the scrum kind of collapsed in that last 15 minutes. Carl Sinclair came on to, to partner Ellis Genge, who, who played the full 80 minutes, um, and kind of got the better of the partnership of, Detroit and of um, Yonker, which was on at that point, and, and gave Bristol some penalties that, that they weren't able to take. Um, and Bath just about held out in, in a pretty real tight one at the end. The Van Veltzer tackle on Sheedy, which, if it's an inch higher, is another opportunity and a, and a card mm. for, for Van Veltzer. Bath just getting the edge and, and just scraping home. Just scraping home. I think that the scrum, not a concern. Uh, but it shows that it is very, very difficult switching mm. sides. Thomas the Toy coming on for Will Stewart on whatever it was, about 45 minutes, and dealing with Ellis Genge fairly well. He then switches when Johannes Jonker comes on after after 60 or so minutes, and Benno Urbano goes off. And he did struggle on the on the uh, loose head side against against Carl Sinkler, who, who who got the nudge on, and I think the referee, as I say didn't quite like the picture that, that he was giving. It's very, very different uh, scrummaging, um, and particularly mid-game to switch. Mm. I mean, between games, you can train in the week, fair enough, but to switch 
within games. I think that is a risky tactic for mm. for to, to employ as a as a coach. So that didn't quite work so well. The rain came in as well, coinciding with that, which obviously made it made it more difficult, made it a more slippery track out there at, at the wreck. But we just got home, and yeah, I must admit, you know, you don't you never like to see players do badly, but. <laughs> You know, if there was one, I mean, you know, to see Bristol miss three kicks to 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 get the win there, to see Callum Sheedy oh. shade two past the left post and then leave one short, a hard kick from 51 metres, but leave one short and for Maxi Joma to, to take it under the sticks and belt it back from whence it came to halfway. It was, uh, it was pretty sweet. It was very nervy, but as I say, ecstatic at the end and, and, and plenty of relief and nice to get one back on Bristol after the record that, they very sadly have against us in the Premiership of late. So the words out of my mouth with regards to Shido. Um, great first half, should have put the game away, held on, really satisfying victory. Great to celebrate with the boys at the end and a nice chat with Thomas the Tank to Toy as well. What a humble, nice fella. He is. And on we go, Tom. Another Friday night is upcoming for Bath. This time, an away trip and a further afield away trip on this occasion yeah. as the boys travel up to play sale at the AJ Bell. First against second, not on TNT, however, um, clearly scheduled before the start of the season. This is a tough one. We always seem to get sale on Friday nights. Um, and yeah, it, it's a really tough fixture, especially the way they're playing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how TNT try and crowbar some kind of derby into, into <laughs> this. Um, you know, but it, it is hard. I mean, I'd say it's the second toughest fixture of the 18 games. I said very wrongly a few weeks ago we're a, a, a quarter of the way through the season when we don't know about two games. We are a third of the way through the season now, six out of our 18 games. So we're starting to get into the into the, the meat of things a little bit now and we're starting to see some teams get ahead and some teams get behind in in, in, in the league. But yeah, we've, we've obviously played Saracens away fixture already. We, we won that game against uh, a decent but, you know, um, you know, Saracens team missing the backbone of their 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 squad. There, mm. this is now the hardest game that we have left this season. Sale are very very hard to to beat at home, and you look at some of the guys, particularly in the the pack that they they have available mm. to them. You know, a hooker pairing of Augustine Creevy and Luke Cowandicki is is pretty frightening, and then guys like Cobus Visa, Johnny Hill, Ben Curry, the Dupree brothers. Um, Urs van Rijn is having a, a, a very good season, um, and then guys like some Dugdale as well coming off coming off the bench. So it's it's going to be an incre- incredibly physical encounter. However, just I haven't got the stats to hand, but just thinking about it over the last few seasons, we've always shaped up pretty mm-hmm. well at Sale. I think in the past their game plan has matched up quite nicely to us, and they've engaged us in a sort of arm mm-hmm. wrestle. Remember a uh, a game we won a couple of seasons ago up there when we were heavily, um, you know, they were heavily favoured and, you know, they, people were backing them to, to outgun us and Miles Reed and Josh Bayliss both put in very, very hearty performances and scrappy, scrapped for everything. So um, I, I, I think it's a game, when thinking about selection, I think it's a game where it is really worth us putting our best foot forward 
putting mm. out as strong as possible pack we can. We can. I quite like Van Graan to to think about a six-two split on the bench. Yeah. Really try and play them at their own game a little bit. Maybe even seven-one. Maybe even go as Erasmus was talking about, go for the eight-zero. <laughs> but I'd like to see us put our put our best foot forward, put out a big, heavy, uncompromising pack, and. Um, and see what we can get out of it because Newcastle showed in that second half that the bench isn't as strong as the starting lineup mm. that Sale put out, and they they made it tough for them. And only a few late tries from Sale put Newcastle away in the end. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Selection for this one. I can see this potentially being a rest and rotate week for a lot of the boys. It's a big, the first real test of my Finn Russell theory. Um, which is that if it's not on TNT and it's not at home, he ain't playing. So that's put to the test. And I think they may rest Russell. Spencer came off with eight minutes to go against Bristol. He hasn't really had a break. Will they rest? And the game wasn't won. So that's another theory of yours. Well, he was window. injured. <laughs> he was injured. Wow. He can play through anything. <laughs> so do they rest Ben Spencer? We come back home for the extra Chiefs game next Saturday. So it might be a an opportunity to give these boys a little bit of a break. Do we give Annette a go? Do we maybe see um, Van Belzer play, Kutsia again? Maybe Mars Reed needs a break. These boys need a rest, so I, I think this could be an opportunity. Well, Van Graan may see this as an opportunity to do that, and if that is the case, um, and Sale go full beans, this, this could get quite tough quite early, I think. We're seeing the Premiership is so topsy-turvy and so difficult to call because of exactly this. Players coming back from the international window at a different pace and also teams understanding how brutal this stretch of matches are and with that in mind, resting and rotating. And that, that's causing some odd results yeah. here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see what Van Grand does um, and that is going to play a massive part in yeah, you'd obviously with a Friday night game, one of the concerns would be that you'd you have a day less. But in this case, obviously Friday to Friday, that's 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 not mm. the case. The danger, obviously, you have is that it's I do think the toughest fixture we have left this season. So if you, I'm not saying get all the kids in there, but if you leave out key players, you know, what are you saying to 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 the players that you do send up to to to, to the AJ Bell? I guess. You could tell them they've got nothing to lose in a way against mm. you know one of the teams that's favoured to to win the whole thing behind behind Saracens. On, on the flip side, are you throwing them to the wolves a little bit? So I'm not sure. I I think I'd I think if we're going to be serious about being challengers in this league, if we want to show the top teams that we're here for here to ultimately get to the top four and try and win the whole thing, mm. I think the games that you rest and rotate are games where you back yourself to. To, to turn teams over, not the games where you're playing the, the, the top of the league sides. Fascinating stuff. We'll be interesting to see who Johan goes with when the teams come out at 12 o'clock on Thursday. And we'll be back, Tom, next week to review whatever happens at the AJ Bell and to look ahead to all things blue, black and white. We're not going to make it up to the AJ Bell this week, unfortunately. I think that would be on a Friday night, a little bit too far for us logistically. But that's been two weeks in a row. We've been in attendance to watch two Derby Day victories. And it's been delightful. I have absolutely loved it. Tom, thank you for joining me on those trips. And thank you for joining me on this podcast. Listeners, thank you for listening, sticking by us 
watching a piss Tom on a Friday night waffle on Twitter. And for listening to this maybe slightly more polished version, do share the podcast with your friends. Bath the second in the table. Stick behind the boys. Mm-hmm.